Do you have beautiful feet? They say that's kind of a personal question. And it's hard to tell because we all have shoes on this morning. But if we were worshiping overseas, we would probably be able to tell what each other's feet look like. Uh, most of the churches I've preached in overseas or worshipped in overseas, you took your, feet, your shoes off at the door and you came in and you worshipped barefoot or in socks. And I will say that preaching in socks is very freeing. It really is. It, it, it's great. Um, but I'm not talking about the physical appearance of your feet when I ask you that question. When I say, do you have beautiful feet, my question is, what do your feet look like from God's perspective? And to understand that question better, we need to see what the Word of God says over in Luke chapter 2. So turn there with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 is where we will begin reading very familiar passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I want to ask you this morning, if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Truth with no mixture of error. I'm so grateful for the Word of God this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I want to thank our praise team and our praise band for leading us this morning. Pray for Travis. He's with Nikki visiting uh, Nikki's family. And where they are, it's negative 20. Um, he texted me this morning and said, it's just not fair. Just not fair. So, uh, so pray for, for Travis and Nikki and, and Carter. Be back with us uh, this week. Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, the Bible says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold... I bring you, now look at this phrase, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened and which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together this morning. 
Father, we are grateful for your word. And we are grateful, Lord, for, for familiar passages of Scripture. Passages that we've heard before, but are filled with wonder and majesty. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand this passage better. And by your Spirit, Lord, you would give us the inclination to respond to what you show us. Lord, would you change our lives? Would you give us the grace this season to truly celebrate Christmas? And we'll thank you and praise you, Lord, for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We began a sermon series last week titled Celebrate Christmas. And last week we talked about celebrating Christmas on your knees. This morning we're going to talk about celebrating Christmas with beautiful feet. Uh, On Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about celebrating Christmas around the Lord's tables. We celebrate communion together. And then on Sunday, Christmas Day, we're going to celebrate Christmas in our hearts and talk about that uh, together. But this morning, I want to talk about this, this idea of celebrating Christmas with beautiful feet. This is a very straightforward passage of Scripture. In verses 1 through 7, we see the story of Mary and Joseph coming to Bethlehem and giving birth to a son. And then in verse 8, we see the story of angels appearing to the shepherds. I want to focus in on something the angel said to the shepherds in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Now notice that phrase, I bring you good news. In the original Greek language in which this was written, that's only one word. It's the word euangelizo. We get the word evangelism from, or evangelist. And it means, I proclaim to you, or I preach to you, or I herald to you good news. Now, the noun form of this word uh, is translated gospel, or good news. That's what that, where that word comes from. The verb, euangelizo, I preach good news, or I announce good news to you, is found 11 times in the four Gospels. Ten of those times are in the book of Luke. And so in the Gospel according to Luke, this idea of announcing, proclaiming, preaching good news is front and center. And the angel is proclaiming good news to these shepherds. Now, as we see this take place, angels declaring good news to the shepherds. We see some interesting things about good news. And there are three important aspects of the good news that I want you to see with me in this passage. First of all, we see the content of the good news. When we say good news, when we say gospel, the two uh, mean the same. What do we mean by that? What is the gospel? What is the good news? What do we mean when we use those words. Well, first of all, the good news revolves around a person. The good news revolves around a person. And we see two things about this person that the good news revolves around. First of all, we see that he is fully human. Notice what the Bible says there in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he is the person that the good news, that the gospel revolves around. And it says there that he would be born this day in the city of David. And look what it says in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So this person whom the good news revolves around is seen to be 
a person. He seemed to be human, fully human. And that is what we celebrate when we celebrate the Christmas story. That Jesus Christ, who has eternally existed as the second person of the Trinity, at this point in time, left the splendor and glory of heaven, and in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he took on humanity. He took on full humanity. So, he was born of Mary. He was a baby. He was fully human. But not only was Jesus Christ fully human, but he was fully God. It says there, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We see the term Christ, it applies to the Messiah. That's what the word literally means, the Greek form of the word Messiah. And the Messiah was the one that God promised to send in the Old Testament who would come and be a redeemer. And we see some indicators from the Old Testament verses and the New Testament verses that this Messiah would be divine, fully God. And we see that by the title Lord, a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, Lord. That is a term that is applied to deity. And so Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, fully human, but also fully God. When Jesus Christ left heaven, he did not leave his deity behind. He came to this earth and he simply took on humanity. So when Jesus Christ was born of Mary, he was fully God and fully human. He is today fully God and fully human. The good news revolves around a person. You say, wait, why the, why the emphasis on the nature of Christ, fully God, fully man? I mean, what's the big deal? Well, it's a huge deal. I heard a well-known megachurch pastor say recently that he wasn't too concerned about how Jesus came to this earth. And that's a biblically ignorant statement to make. Listen to me, come in real close. You better be concerned about how Jesus came to earth because his nature is of utmost importance if the atonement is to mean anything for you and for me. You see, for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, he had to be fully human. He had to go and die for humans, right? That's how God's justice is served. A human takes the punishment for other humans. That has to happen for God to be holy and just and punish our sins. But also, for Jesus Christ's death on the cross to mean anything for us, not only did he have to be fully human, he had to be fully God. Because here's the deal. God is infinitely holy. And if you and I sin against an infinitely holy God, you know what we deserve? Infinite punishment. That's why hell goes on forever, because we deserve infinite punishment for sinning against an infinitely holy God. So our only hope for our sin debt to be paid is for one who is infinite himself to make the payment. Only God could make that payment and pay the infinite debt that you and I owe. So for the atonement to mean anything for you and for me, the Savior had to be fully God and fully human. So that's why the virgin birth is such a huge deal. It matters how he came to earth, amen? His his nature matters for the atonement to matter. And so we see here that this announcement of good news revolves around, it centers around a person. His name is Jesus, fully God, fully man, born of the Virgin Mary. I like what Warren Wearsby writes. You cannot escape Jesus Christ. The angels sang about him, and he is still the theme of the greatest music. Luke wrote about him, and he is still the subject of the greatest literature. 
The shepherds hastened to behold him, and he is still at the center of the greatest art. Teachers listened to him and marveled, and he is still the focal point for all truth and wisdom. He alone is worthy of our worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. The good news revolves around a person, and his name is Jesus. But secondly, this good news focuses on his mission. It focuses on his mission. Do you notice what the angel said to the shepherds? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So Jesus Christ left the splendor and glory of heaven and came and took on human flesh, God incarnate, for a specific reason. He tells us that reason over in Luke chapter 19, right after the story with Zacchaeus. He says that, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to earth to be a savior for sinners, to accomplish all that is necessary for you and I to be forgiven of our sins, have a relationship with God, and enjoy the hope and promise of heaven. And so this good news focuses on Jesus Christ coming to save, what Jesus Christ would actually do to save us. You see, the good news is different than good advice. Most of the world religions are, are, or all the world religions, other than biblical Christianity, are good advice. If you want to be right with God, you need to do certain things to try to get your act together. You can go to Barnes and Nobles. You can go to Books a Million. They have self-help sections. They have all these books that are written to help you to improve your life, to kind of clean up your life and do better. But listen to me. The good news that we preach, that we proclaim, is not good advice. The good news does not give us instructions as to how to make ourselves acceptable to God. We are una- Listen, we are unable to make ourselves acceptable before a holy God. No matter how much self-improvement you undertake, no matter how much you work on your morality, you have still sinned against a holy God, and you deserve punishment. Your sin must be dealt with. And the good news tells you how your sin can be dealt with, how your sin can be forgiven. But it's not good advice. The the good news is not straighten up and save yourself. Hey, hey, listen to me. If I were telling you this morning that your salvation was up to you, that would not be good news. That would be terrible news. If I told you, hey, just do better so you can be saved, you would be terrified, would you not? So would I. If my salvation was up to me, that would be terrible news because I can't save myself. See, the good news is not good advice. The good news is that God did something for us. It's not, hey, do something so you can be saved. It's, hey, Jesus did something for you so you could be saved. There's a big difference. The good news is not an explanation of what you have to do. It's a declaration of what's already been done. That's the good news. The good news is not spelled D-O. The good news is spelled D-O-N-E. Amen? It's already been done. Jesus has done everything required for you and I to be saved. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to this earth, took on humanity in the womb of the Virgin Mary, 
He was born. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and died for ruined sinners like me. He paid the penalty that that I deserve to pay. He died in my place. He died on that cross. He was buried. And early on Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. He defeated death itself. And so Jesus Christ has defeated my two greatest enemies, sin and death. And he's done it all. My response is to simply trust him in his finished work. So the good news is not do something. The good news is that Jesus Christ has done something for us. It says there in verse 11, he's a, a, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The, the word Christ reminds us he was promised in the Old Testament and sent for the purpose of rescuing people from their sins. So here's the deal. The fact that we can trust Christ and his finished work to save us because he paid it all is good news. That is the gospel. That is what we celebrate week after week after week after week. We can't save ourselves, but Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now parents, you understand, don't you, the frustration of buying your kids a gift and you get the box out and it says, some assembly required. Nightmare scenario, right? Some assembly required, and you've waited too late to start, right? We don't like that. It's much better when you buy them something, and it's ready to go, you know, ready to give to them, ready to roll out. Well, listen to me. The gospel is not some assembly required. The gospel is Jesus Christ has finished the work of redemption, and we trust him to deal with our greatest issue, which is sin and separation from God. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, turning from your sin, embracing Him, receiving that free gift, He will forgive you, He will transform you, He will give you hope. It's, it's, it's ready to go, not some assembly required. And so we see here something about the content of the good news. But secondly... I want you to think with me about the reception of the good news. The reception of the good news. Look what it says in verse 20. The shepherds returned after going and finding Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph. It says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they heard the announcement from the angels. They went and investigated. They found Jesus Christ. And they're rejoicing over this good news. Now, two things about the good news and the shepherds. First of all, the shepherds received the good news. They heard the announcement. They believed it. They went and placed their eyes on Jesus. And they're worshiping. They're glorifying. They received the good news. I never thought about it like this, but Francis Schaeffer writes, Though they believed with less understanding than we who have the New Testament... They nonetheless did believe, and they will be in heaven with us. They are in the church of Jesus Christ. I never thought about the shepherds being in heaven. I don't know why I never thought about it, but they will be. They believe, they receive the good news. Wouldn't it be cool to have some time in heaven to talk to them about this night? Take a seat, 
say, hey, shepherds, tell me about the night when an angel spoke and then the heavens opened up and there was a host of, of angels singing this song and you went and found Jesus and saw him as a babe and a man. Tell me about that. Wouldn't it be incredible? They'll be in heaven. Why? They received the good news. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. It's not enough just to hear the good news. You have to receive it personally. You have to personally appropriate the finished work of Jesus to your life. I like what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He wrote, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Paul's saying, I'm grateful that when we came into town and we shared the good news about Jesus, you received it as a message from God. You believed it. And that word of truth is still at work in you. And so, just like the shepherds, we have to receive the good news. It could be that you are here today and you've heard the Christmas story many, many times. You've heard preachers talk about his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, but you've never personally received that message. You've never personally received Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. It's not enough just to hear the good news. You must receive it. And, and then after the shepherds receive the good news, the shepherds rejoice in the good news. Look what it says in verse 20. They returned glorifying and praising God. They were excited. They had believed. They had heard. They had seen. They were excited about Jesus Christ. They were excited about this good news. Over 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, again, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he said, You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So when you receive this good news, this gospel, when you receive the reality that you can't save yourself, but Jesus did everything necessary, and you embrace him as your Lord and Savior, receiving as a free gift eternal life, salvation, forgiveness, when you do that, it will be accompanied by joy. So why would I be joyful when I receive that good news? Because listen to me, if you are redeemed, if you are saved, your, your past has been redeemed, your present makes sense, and your future is secure. That's something worth rejoicing over, amen? And these angels are rejoicing in the good news they had heard and personally appropriated. You know, this is the season for presidential pardons. There's a lot of focus right now on the presidential pardons, as is always the case when a president ends his term of office. And there's a lot of speculation about who will be pardoned and who will not be pardoned and things of that nature. But let's just imagine for a moment that there's someone in a federal prison, and they've been there for a while, and they are supposed to be in prison for life. And the President of the United States pardons them. And they go into a room to sit down with their legal team because their legal team has some good news for them. They've come to tell this person in prison, you have been pardoned. You, you, are, you are free to go. Free to leave. Now can you imagine in that moment 
when that person sitting at the table hears that good news of full pardon, they would say, that's not really for me. I'm not ready. Let me think about it. No, of course they would receive the good news joyfully, right? Free to go. Free to leave. Free to live. They would receive that good news and rejoice in that good news. Why is it? Why is it there are so many folks that hear good news about Jesus paying the penalty for our sins so we could be pardoned? We could be completely forgiven. We could be set free. And they hear that good news, free and full pardon, purchased by the death of Christ. And they say, that's not really for me. I'm not a religious person. Not right now. Maybe later. Why would people hear that good news and not joyfully, gladly receive that good news? In this text, we see the content of the good news, and we see the the reception of the good news. But third and last, I want to focus just for a minute on the delivery of the good news. The delivery of the good news. Look what it says in verse 17. After they made their way to find Jesus, and they saw the baby lying in a manger, it says, when they saw it, the baby in the manger, they made known... The saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So notice what it says. They made known what had been told them. They took what someone had told them, the angel in this case, and they told somebody else. Do you see that? Very simple. They were telling people about the good news message that had been delivered from the angel. And this reminds us, that good news by its very nature is meant to be shared. Now listen, we know this intuitively in every other area of life. If we have something good happen to us, we know that we immediately want to tell somebody, right? Put it on Facebook, pick up the phone, send a text, knock on your coworker's door. I mean, when we hear something that's good, when something good happens, we want to share it. In every area of life, except our faith. Why is that? These shepherds had the good news told to them. And then they actually went and they opened up their mouths and told others about this good news. We're reminded from the Christmas narrative and other places in Scripture that God intends for there to be heralds of the good news. If you look through the pages of Scripture, Old New Testament, God always has His witnesses, always has His heralds. Right here in the Christmas narrative, the angels declare the good news. The shepherds then go and tell people what was told to them. They declare the good news. Over in verse 38, Anna, this prophetess in the temple, she's telling people, she's sharing the good news. The disciples that Jesus calls to follow him, he gives them the task of sharing the good news. And now, his church, you and I, 
we have the privilege and responsibility to be bearers of the good news, to be heralds of the good news. Over in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we look at this verse all the time. The Bible reminds us that after the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We are called to be Spirit-filled witnesses of Jesus Christ, of the good news concerning Jesus Christ, and the good news concerning what He's done for us. We are called to be His witnesses. And here's where it gets really interesting. God grants, listen to this, God grants special status to those who share the good news. God grants special status to, show, to those who share the good news. And I don't believe that. Well, turn over to Romans chapter 10. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 10. Paul, writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses some good old-fashioned logic. Look what he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I get an amen? Great place for an amen. I'm grateful for that. When I was nine years of age, I heard the gospel. I believed in Christ. I called on his name, asked him to save me, and he did. I'm grateful for his grace. But then it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how were they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Just good old-fashioned logic, right? And how were they to hear without someone preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written. Now he quotes here Isaiah 52, 7. This is also alluded to in the book of Nahum. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God calls the feet of those that go to the lost with the good news beautiful feet. God grants special status to those who actually go and engage lostness and open up their mouth and share the good news that they had formerly received. God calls those kinds of folks, he calls their feet, beautiful feet. So if you want a special status with God, go and open up your mouth. And share the good news. God calls your feet beautiful feet if you will do that. Why beautiful feet? Because your feet are taking you to somewhere that is in desperate need of hearing the gospel. To someone who's in desperate need of hearing the gospel. So because your feet are taking you where your mouth can proclaim, your feet are beautiful. That's what God says. But here's the sad reality. Sometimes we act like the good news is top secret. Right? Shh. I've been saved. You've been saved. Man, it's great. Isn't it good to be forgiven and know we're going to heaven when we die? And let's get together in our weekly meetings in these walls and let's talk about it. We'll sing about it and we'll, I'll preach about it and you'll amen and, and sometimes and, 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 we'll, and we'll get together and we will enjoy our salvation. We'll enjoy the reality that we have heard the good news and responded to the good news. But let's don't tell anybody out there. Shh. Now, if they want to hear it, let them come to church. They can come find their way to church and go on our website and know what time our service means. They can come sit down and hear the preacher preach. What if? 
instead of waiting for lost people to come to us? What if we had beautiful feet and went to them? Can I remind you, dear friend, there are thousands of lost people all around Longview Point this morning that didn't think one moment about coming to our church this morning. Didn't even cross their mind. People that live within a one, two, three mile radius, they don't even know we exist and could care less. They're not coming to church. Some may, but many will not. What if we had beautiful feet and we took the good news to them? That would be a game changer. Not just in our community, but all around the world. There's great lostness and people need to hear the good news. And God calls the feet of those that take good news to the lost beautiful feet. There's a really convicting quote. It always grips my heart from Oswald J. Smith. He writes, We talk of the second coming. Half the world has never heard of the first. I'm so grateful that my kids have heard the Christmas story. Angels and shepherds and born of the Virgin Mary. and Wise men. Swaddling cloths. Lying in a manger, Bethlehem. I'm so glad they've heard that story and are very familiar with that. I'm glad they've heard the rest of the story. That Jesus lived a matchless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave and he's mighty to save. Do you understand today that there are tens of millions of people in our world that have never heard the Christmas story? They've never heard the fact that Jesus came, so they don't know why he came. To seek and to save that which was lost. We talk of the second coming, half the world's never heard of the first. You know, if we put a sign up on the the road and said, first of the year we're going to have a prophecy conference. We're going to talk about the end times, the return of Christ, timeline, I bet you this room would be full of folks. But if we just put a sign out there and said, we're going to get together and talk about having beautiful feet so we can go to the lost and tell people that Jesus Christ has come, I wonder how many people would show up for that. There are over in our world over 6,000 unreached people groups. 6,000. Now, people group is a group of people that are defined by common language and custom. There are over 11,000 in our world. Over 6,000 are unreached. That means that there is less than 2% of its population uh, Christian, professing Christian. So that means 98% or more of that people group is not saved, lost in their sins, headed for an eternity in hell. And over 3,000 of those unreached people groups are what we call unengaged unreached people. That means that they are there as a group of people that have common language and custom, and there are no Christians there, and no one's trying to tell them about Jesus. No one. 
Never heard the Christmas story. Never heard of the crucified Christ. Never heard of the empty tomb. And no one's telling them. Yet the Bible says, when we go and we share that good news, God calls our feet beautiful. So here's my takeaway today. I want to encourage you to celebrate this Christmas by taking the good news to others. Celebrate this Christmas by taking the good news to others. Have beautiful feet. What a way to honor your Savior. That'll mean that we, that we pray and give and go. We pray for lost people in our community, in our family. We pray for lost people in our nation, in our world. We, we pray that, that God would move in His church to, to push back the darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for the lost. God can use your prayers in amazing ways. We give. This Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal, $185,000, is a huge goal. You give so much. You've given so much to missions this year already. And yet we're asking you to give to to the point where we give over $185,000. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering is all about putting people on the front lines of losses to make disciples, to proclaim, to share this good news. We have families that we know very well. Even ones sent out from our church that are serving overseas somewhere and they're there because of your giving. They have a home to live in. They have a vehicle to drive. Their kids' rabies shots are covered when they're bitten by a dog in the street because of your giving. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the cooperative program. So they can be there. They can live there. They can share Jesus. They can make disciples. They can be a part of what God is doing to to expand His kingdom across the street and around the world. There's no better investment for your money, right? We can pray. We can give. And we can go. I want to encourage you this year, 2017, to... Seriously consider going. We have so many trips this year. Overseas. In North America. Opportunities for you to go somewhere with beautiful feet. Say, Wade, I I don't know much about them. Well, you can call the church office. Email our missions pastor, Jason, at longviewpoint.org. Go to the website, check it out. And we'll get you some information about ways you can actually go somewhere And have beautiful feet because you're going to open your mouth and tell others about that message that someone told you about. Go on a short-term trip. It'll change your life. And God will use it to expand His kingdom. Maybe you're here today, just maybe, and the Lord is calling you to leave our church and go somewhere for the sake of the gospel, for the glory of Christ. Maybe it's calling you to, to, to stir in your heart to leave and go somewhere overseas to plant your life in a cross-cultural setting to share Jesus Christ. Or maybe it's here in North America or he's or calling you to go somewhere. Maybe he's calling you to leave our church and be a part of the new church plant that we're going to start in 2017 in eastern DeSoto County. 
Maybe he's calling you to leave and be part of a core group to get this church started, to, to be a, a light there in, in that part of the, the world. Maybe he's calling you to do that. Whatever God is stirring your heart to do, surrender and respond. Because God gives special status to those who go. He calls their feet beautiful. So let's go with beautiful feet across the street, around the world, to the neighborhoods and to the nations. Because, listen to me, coming real close. The good news is only good news if it gets there in time. So may God make us a church full of people that are celebrating Christmas and celebrating Christ and celebrating the gospel with beautiful feet.